Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how are you doing on this Wednesday afternoon? I'm doing great. Diamond Sports. Everybody's still alive. Softball back to the Women's College World Series after uh, we, we probably didn't have the level of excitement that we should have had about reaching the Super Regional because of the way the regular season ended. But I am full on fired up for the Women's College World Series. Oklahoma State played some fun baseball games last weekend. I watched more baseball uh, than I have in a long time. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, regional in Stillwater as well. So a lot of good things happening on the Diamond. Yeah, a lot going on with that. A lot going uh, on with conference realignment. Brett Yormark appearing to making uh, some moves could be imminent. Uh, before we get into all of that, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. You mentioned the Cowgirls making it back to Oklahoma City. Tremendous job by Kenny Gajewski and company. If you go to Chris's, you can get you some Women's College World Series gear. I know there's going to be a lot of OSU fans down at Hall of Fame Stadium. You can also get some Big 12 Championship t-shirts for baseball. So uh, spring sports, Colby, we're kind of lagging a little bit, but uh, they're, they're closing strong here. And I'm, I guess let's start with the uh, Oklahoma State baseball team. They um, made it to the title game in the Big 12 tournament, uh, did, did end up falling, but they are going to host a regional in Stillwater. And before we get into that regional, Colby, I just wanted to share a few numbers on uh, Josh Holiday and the job he's done. Uh, this is from the man, uh, uh, Matt Davis, the chief, calls the games on the radio, a uh, Twitter friend of mine over the years. Uh, he says, Josh will deflect personal accomplishments uh, of OSU baseball to the team and staff, but here's some anyway. All 11 years making it to regionals. That's pretty dang impressive. I did not know that. He has one trip to Omaha, two regular season Big 12 championships, 400 plus wins, six out of 11 Big 12 tournament finals. That's huge. You want, like I mentioned on the last pod, you obviously want to be playing your best baseball at the end of the year. And uh, his love for baseball, OSU baseball, is unmatched. I mean, he grew up in it with with his dad, uh, Tom, being the, the head coach at Oklahoma State. So uh, before we get in the regional, Colby, I just wanted to kind of reiterate just what a job Josh Holiday's done. And, and I know the work's not finished this year, but it's important to take a step back, realize it has been 11 years, and realize the job he's done. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. I remember uh, Josh had kind of just gotten to Stillwater about the time that I got to Stillwater. Um, and I was on the beat covering Oklahoma State baseball my junior year. And Josh was unbelievable. And it's so easy to be around. He, he treats everyone with kindness. It, it's easy to see why he gets the most out of his guys. It, it's easy to see why when they're down five to nothing to Texas Tech after a long, grueling Saturday, a lot of baseball being played. I mean, he gets them to come back. They score five in the bottom of the eighth. And Aiden Miola, take a bow, <laughs> uh, young man. Unbelievable. Oklahoma State now, Carson, owns two of the most electric walk-off home runs. You remember Trevor Boone from a few years ago. But Aiden Miola, to do what he did uh, early in the season, has an injury, loses his job to injury, stays ready. And when he was called on in the Big 12 semifinals, Five nothing. They were down through seven innings. I told my wife after the top of the eighth, we've got the three TV set up now. I had it over on the right on the side TV without volume, but I was watching it pretty much the whole way. And I told my wife on the top of the eighth, I was like, 
this baseball game is so boring. I am bored to tears watching this baseball game. And then all of a sudden, an explosion of offense from Oklahoma State and for Aiden Miola to step up there and do what he did. And and the fact that it didn't creep over the wall, the fact that it was a no-doubter, just like Trevor Boone's, that made it to the upper deck. And everybody, I mean, as soon as he made contact, you could see the fans in the background. Everybody stood up. Everybody knew at contact that that ball was so far over the fence. Um, Good for Aiden Miola, man. What, What a moment. Uh, for a guy who's been through what he's been through. That was awesome. Uh, are you old enough to remember his dad? No, not even a little bit. His dad was is Tony Miola. He was the goalkeeper on the 1994 uh, USA World Cup team that played on home soil. They advanced out of the group. They they famously beat Colombia. Uh, if you had told eight-year-old Carson, who was just living and dying with, with USA in the World Cup in 94, <laughs> his son would be playing at OSU baseball right now. I wouldn't have believed you, but a tremendous story. Uh, that video clip they had from OSU's uh, video staff of him crossing home plate was was big time. It was chill inducing, and so yeah, they did fall short. But again, a great moment and uh, a special moment for for Miola, that's for sure. Uh, OSU didn't draw any favors in the NCAA regional, Colby. Uh, they got a tough draw. I mean, they are playing at home, but they do get Dallas Baptist as the two seed. They're runner up in conference USA tournament, and they split the regular season against Oklahoma State. You got Washington out of the Pac-12. They finished third there. And ORU is the four seed, and they swept OSU in the regular season. They're 46 and 11. So, <laughs> not your average four seed. I think that a lot of that has to do with the, the regional tie of ORU being so close to Stillwater. Same with Dallas Baptist, Colby. But, uh, man, OSU's going to have to earn it if they make it to super regionals. Yeah. I mean, this is the postseason, right? You're not getting cupcakes in the postseason. I will say, I don't like getting dealt two teams that are so familiar with you. I I want teams like Washington. I want teams from out of state, from the other side of the country, who have no idea what Oklahoma State baseball is about, who haven't seen Nolan Schubert live and in person. I I want teams coming to Stillwater that aren't familiar with Stillwater and what that brings and what that stadium is like in postseason baseball. Dallas Baptist, nor are you, they know Oklahoma State. Uh, They're familiar. And Tuesday baseball, Josh Holliday said it it best. Tuesday night baseball, very different from regional baseball. It's going to be different pitchers. It's going to be a different atmosphere, different energy for the team. Um, So you you could, I mean, there's two sides of the coin, too. Oklahoma State knows these teams. So while Dallas Baptist and ORU will probably come in with the confidence that, hey, we beat them in the regular season. There's no reason we can't beat them now. I think Oklahoma State also goes in with the idea, okay, we are the one seed. We are hosting the regional. But these are two teams who can really play. And if we're not at our absolute best, then our final games of the season, they won't be played in Vanderbilt. They'll be played in Stillwater. That's who Oklahoma State will get as the winner of the Vanderbilt uh, Regional, who's the sixth seed, if they're able to advance. But I think this is setting up uh, to be an exceptionally exciting regional. Don't think we're going to be able to get up there uh, with Kiddo, but I will be watching every game. Let me look at the uh, schedule here. It starts Friday Friday afternoon, Washington and Dallas Baptist play at noon. But 6 o'clock Friday uh, is whenever Oklahoma State and Oral Roberts face off, and then it goes from there. Could go all the way through Monday. So uh, I will be watching a ton of baseball, softball. We've got NBA Finals. We've got Stanley Cup starting. It, a three-TV season is in full effect, Carson. Carson, if you're still with us, we can't hear you. I muted myself. Gosh, you'd think after doing more than 500 of these, I would not forget to unmute myself. But uh, no, I, th- I think that's right. It is three TV season. B- before you know it, it'll be the dog days. You'll have nothing to watch, and we'll probably be playing more golf. 
But uh, the point you made about Josh Holiday's quotes about, you know, you know, this isn't a Tuesday night series in between series, you know, pitching matters when it comes to these matchups and, you know, neither team's really throwing their, their big dogs on a Tuesday night. They will be at a regional. And I think that's something that we've seen Oklahoma state throughout the big 12 tournament. Their pitching was, was really, really good. Uh, it's a big reason they advanced as far as they did. And I think it's going to be a much different story. Now, I'm with you that the familiarity probably hurts Oklahoma State a little bit, but being on your home field and having your pitching, uh, your best pitchers to throw against these teams that kind of caught you, you know, midweek. It's a it's baseball's such a long season, Colby, as you know. Just those midweek games, they're they're kind of a different animal all into themselves, and that's certainly going to be a different case uh, this this weekend at the regional. But I don't know. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we'll see how they do in the, in the first game, and, and we'll have to wait and watch. But one thing I love about doing this podcast, Colby, is people, our listeners, they they pick up on things that I mention, and they they recall them from a, a while back. Do you remember me bringing up the uh, the hotel situation in Stillwater back when uh, they were <laughs> trying to host with old Allie P. Reynolds? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a follower of mine who clearly listens to the show, Vinny Patel, uh, sent me this updated information on the Lexington, Kentucky regional. There's no hotels within an hour of Lexington because of a country music festival. So West Virginia, Indiana, and Ball State players and coaches are staying in the Kentucky dorm rooms. Oh, <laughs> and they sent out this information. So you thought those folks that uh, stayed in Stillwater that one year, where they they were kind of ripping the the hotel situation, how would you like to be get get sent to the dorm rooms? Because Stillwater's come a long way, Colby. They didn't have to do that this year. Yeah, and there's no way that they gave them like the village type dorm rooms. They, they <laughs> gave them, they gave them Kurt Drummond, a hundred percent. They gave them Kurt Drummond. Uh, yeah, that, that's probably the case. But uh, I did think that was funny. So huge weekend of baseball uh, for Oklahoma State, and we'll we'll see if Josh Holiday and company can can get her done again. It's it's a tough draw. I mean, uh, Oklahoma State's 17 in the RPI, which I know the RPI is not a perfect stat. Dallas Baptist is 16. If that tells you anything, Washington 36, uh, Oral Roberts 76. And that's, that's kind of where the stat kind of falls flat for me. Oral Roberts is better than 76. Yeah. Oral Roberts is much better than 76. Uh, quick rabbit hole. Did you live on campus and which building did you live in? I was a, a fraternity guy house, uh, Delta Ta Delta. So all the, all the frat daddies listening. That's, that's the house I was in back in the day. Uh, still keep up with a lot of those guys, but I was only there a year and a half. And then, you know, back in, back in my day, old timer talk here, uh, you had to live in the fraternity house all four years at the Dell house. Cause it was so huge. They had so many rooms. I was like, guys, I'm not living in a fraternity house for four years of college. I won't get any studying done. Uh, so I moved out midway through my sophomore year. So like you, you say Kerr Drummond, I, I, I remember that building. I remember where it was, but haven't seen the inside of that. So I, I wasn't very familiar with the dorms. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with, yeah, we don't even need to go down that road, but I lived in Bennett freshman year, Bennett hall, uh, Bennett hall was great across the street from Gallagher, Iba and Boone Pickens in the parking lot, basically of Allie P Reynolds stadium, uh, oh, whenever yeah. college, oh, living That's at all Bennett. the athletes lived, right? Uh, yeah. A bunch of the athletes lived there. Yeah. We had, uh, we actually had a bunch of the softball team lived on my floor, oh, randomly. Nice. Don't know why, but, uh, yeah. And, and yeah, love living at Bennett. Uh, my very best friend to this day, uh, who I made in college, we met living in Bennett. So played a ton of volleyball and could not have been a better, a better spot. So if you're sending your kids to Oklahoma state, I highly, highly recommend Bennett hall. Yep. That's a, that's probably the one I would have wanted to Bennett because I like to mingle with the, with the athletes for sure. So, uh, let's move on to softball Colby, uh, Kenny Gajewski and company, they sweep Oregon, make it back to the women's college world series. 
again, uh, I think people thought we were being pretty tough on the softball team last week, and that that's certainly what wasn't what we were trying to do and setting out to accomplish. We just we were kind of a little concerned about the the wane they had this year with the losing, but uh, Kenny Gajewski once again proves he's one of the best coaches in the country because they get it done and, and advance again to uh, Oklahoma City big time. Oh, uh, absolutely big time. You know, the, the way the Oklahoma State regular season ended, it, it kind of clouded what was a great year, right? It was another great year for Oklahoma State softball. When, when you look at the total resume, had those losses been spaced out throughout the season, we would have said, okay, yeah, this is probably still one of the best eight teams in the country. They're going to be in Oklahoma City. And once you're there, you just never know. Uh, huge credit to Kenny Gajewski for for getting his team to mentally reset after the 11 of 13 to end the regular season. That's not an easy thing to do whenever you come in with basically negative momentum. Uh, and, and they did it. They did it great. They were unbelievable in the Super Regional. They didn't have to sweat it. Uh, you know, there weren't any late game heroics that got them through. They just were far and away the better team. Uh, and they stomped Oregon. I, I watched both of those games. Um, and it was it was really high level softball that was being played. So I'm hopeful uh, that they have turned it around and found who and, and found the team that they were earlier in the season. That, that was so dominant for so long. They've got Florida State tomorrow night, Thursday, seven o'clock Eastern is what I'm looking at. So six o'clock our time here in Oklahoma City uh, against Carson, your childhood football team, the Florida State Seminoles. <laughs> um, if you win, you don't have to play again until Saturday. If you lose, you have to play at 8.30 Friday night, and we all know that that game will get backed up and end up starting at 9.30. So uh, win tomorrow night to avoid the late, late, late game on Friday. Yeah, it's basically, I love the way the bracket shook out. Obviously, every team there is, is a really good team, but they, they get Florida State on Thursday. The, uh, they'll face the winner of, if they win, they'll face the winner of Washington and Utah. So they got a little bit of a Pac-12 feel to it, but the, but not the perennial powers like in Arizona. Uh, you know, Washington's obviously been very good, and they've made the championship series. But Utah is kind of a newcomer to the scene. So you, you're opposite Oklahoma, which is which is huge in my opinion. Obviously, them the number one seed, defending champs, all that. We know we know what Oklahoma's all about. Uh, but you also have Alabama and Tennessee on the other side of the bracket. So I, Florida State's a tough draw. Make no mistake. I mean, they they've they've been a very very good team. They've made twelve World Women's College World Series appearances. Uh, they've played for a national championship. Uh, let's see here. They the past two times Seminoles have been in Oklahoma City, they've reached the championship series and they won the title in 2018 and were runner up in 2021. So this is a very seasoned program. A lot of those players probably aren't there anymore, but still. Uh, it's, it's a tough first game, Colby, but if you get past that, I, I like the way this bracket shapes up. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm not overly scared of Washington uh, or Utah. It looks like Oklahoma State baseball and softball might both end up getting to play the Huskies. Uh, I am scared of Florida State, as you should be. Florida State is a great program. Uh, get past them, and I like Oklahoma State's chances to keep going, but it, it's one of those things where if you get past Florida State in the opening game, it puts you on this trajectory where you start to think about a run to the national championship series. If you lose that game, your season could be over before you go to bed Friday night. Like, you're playing in an elimination game at 9 o'clock, 9.30 Friday night, playing into the, the wee hours of the night, and, and your season's over if you don't get it done against the loser of Washington and Utah. So tomorrow's uh, game one is is incredibly important. Like you said, OU on the other side. They are so annoying, Carson. They're so annoying. F Saturday, uh, we were at lunch with some friends, and the Oklahoma-Clemson game was on, and Clemson's up 7-4 to four in the seventh, and... <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is not bleep up at that point. And what did they do? 
what you knew they were going to do. Two strikes, two outs. OU hits a three-run home run to tie the game. They end up winning it. They go out and carry the wall up so they can put another year on it. It was – they are so good. They are such a dynasty, 47 straight, and it is so, so annoying. You respect the greatness, um, but also just so, so annoyed by it at the same time. (laughs) That's true. It's very uh, Bedlam football-esque. Just when you think you got the game won, that happens. And Clemson's wearing orange, so I guess that kind of counts. But but yeah, I mean, look, if you're going to win this thing, you got to go through them. There's no two ways about it. Uh, but again, Florida State's won 21 of their last 22 games. So that, that that tells you all you need to know. But Oklahoma State's playing playing really good softball right now. And you, you got to like their odds playing in front of a, a home crowd. And one thing I did want to touch on too, uh, Colby, is the job Kenny Gajewski's doing. Uh, he's doing it without his fair share of challenges. You know, they have the smallest stadium by far of any team at the Women's College World Series. He's doing it, he's doing it with his fair share of challenges. Or Yes, did I say that backwards? My bad. Yeah, you said without. I want to make sure I clarified. He is, yeah. I'm glad you corrected me there. They have the smallest stadium amongst teams there. You know, Alabama's got nearly 4,000 seats in their stadiums for softball. Oklahoma State's got 750. Uh, that just shows you that they don't require the facilities that are on par with the programs they're competing against. But I liked Kenny Gajewski's perspective. He said he's more concerned with NIL than a new stadium. He's like, look, we can win here. But he, he did. It's kind of funny how he, he he verbalized it this way that if he keeps winning, it'll force Chad Weiberg to do something, is was he was quoted as saying. And Mike Boynton said something very similar in, in reverse. You know, if I don't start winning, then I'm going to force Chad to do something. And and I think that offers great perspective from both of them. They know the stakes. They know the job that they have that they are tasked with. They know what success will bring. They know what failure would bring. And uh Gajewski's just a great representative of Oklahoma State. But I, I, I agree with him, Colby, that getting players right now would be more top of my mind than than a bigger stadium. But we can all agree it, it's it's part of the plan, OSU's vision plan. It's needed for softball. The sport continues to grow like gangbusters, especially in, amongst Oklahoma State fans. But uh I thought that was interesting interesting perspective from Kenny. Yeah, I think the mindset that he has, the mindset that you spoke about with Mike Boynton is just, um, it's reality. It's being able to see things for what they are, which coaches aren't always able to do whenever they're so close and so involved and so invested in their program. I think it's I think it's actually easier to lose the big picture whenever you're so caught up in what you're doing with your program. And Kenny Gajewski hasn't done that. He's like, look, it's 750-seat stadium, but people pack the outfield wall, and it's a, a fun tight environment you know it's not the big stadium that Alabama has and that stuff but it is a a fun fun environment and I will be curious not just with softball but with college sports in general um you know in football we saw the the facilities arms race basically in college football who can have the slide that goes from the second floor to the first floor who's got the barber shop who's got the pools and the hot tubs and everything else uh who's got the tvs individual tvs in the locker all these things is is that going to become less and less in football and basketball and baseball and softball and facilities are going to take a, a lesser importance and those funds are going to be reallocated for players to bring more players in in various sports? Um, because I, I think in football, obviously, you have huge sums of money being thrown around, but NIL dollars are there to be had for softball as well. Uh, I mean, there are some girls in Norman who I know are making some pretty good money with NIL, and you've got to be able to compete there if you want to to compete with what's right down the road in Oklahoma. So uh, I think it's a very 
logical take by Kenny Gajewski. And I, I'll be very curious to see in the next three to five years, as he keeps winning and this program keeps growing, where do where does that money go? Does does it go to a new stadium, or do they decide? You know, we're really happy where we're at. This is a fun environment. Uh, it's a close knit environment. You 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 feel like the stadium is packed, even if there's only 700 people there, uh, and it's a fun place to play. Spend that money on players. I, I think Gajewski might be onto something. Yeah, I agree, and I think what what Kenny can sell to recruits and transfer portal folks is, look. We're, we're going to be in Oklahoma City. Uh, I've proven that I can get this program to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series. Uh, the Women's College World Series does big, big, big TV ratings. And what does that do? It helps your NIL revenue when you have those deals in place. Uh, no more eyeballs are going to be on them than this week at the Women's College World Series. And that's why it's so huge to get there. And that can certainly help your recruiting efforts as well in terms of NIL. So, again, Oklahoma State facing Florida State uh, tomorrow night, Thursday at uh, 7 o'clock. Should be fun. Or was it 6 o'clock? I think I have seven o'clock Eastern on my deal. Yeah. Yeah. So six, six o'clock. So uh, one more thing to get into here, Cole, before we get to bullets and BBs, Colorado do anything for you for the big 12, because Dennis Dodd of CBS is reporting that talks are heating up and that Colorado, in fact, uh, is, may move to the big 12 imminently. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on all this news coming out about Colorado? Maybe it's just the nostalgia in me. Maybe it's because there's some excitement around the program with prime, even though if we don't, we have no idea if he's going to win, but I do know it's exciting. Bring him home, bring him home. I, I don't know. Um, financially, it, it's not a better get than Oregon. It's not a better get than Washington, but aside from those two schools, I mean, it's a pretty good get. Maybe is it just the nostalgia in me, Carson? I want him back. Bring him home. Well, I don't know why you have nostalgia because you're so young. You don't even remember when Colorado was good. Uh, I, I remember Colorado being around. You know what I remember, Carson? I remember Brandon Whedon and Joseph Randall and Justin Blackman coming back on him in the blacks. That's what I remember. <laughs> just, just bring us a, a black and gold punching bag from Boulder. Um, I, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm here for Colorado coming back. Well, my earliest memories is when Colorado was basically Nebraska and Nebraska was basically Alabama back then. I mean, they were... National, they, they won a national championship before I started paying attention, which was Cordell Stewart and Rashawn Salam who won the Heisman. They were running the option. Uh, they were, they had a ton of dudes from California. They were, they were legitimate national championship contenders year in, year out. That's how good Colorado was that I grew up with. My concern is they're just not going to be that ever again, much like Nebraska in a lot of ways. Although Nebraska is a much bigger school, bigger fan base, brings in more revenue. The problem I have with Colorado is they're kind of a relic program. Uh, they don't have a stadium. They don't have a fan base. Uh, it's very, it's it's not a good fit in terms of football program, and that's what this is all about. I'm just wondering if this is going to be like a Big Ten situation where they take on whoever they can get, meaning a Rutgers, a Maryland, you know, teams that offer very little in terms of football. Because let's face it, Colby, that's what this is about. It's about football. It's about eyeballs. Um, so I don't. I having said that. I don't know how warm to the idea a Utah would be. This kind of tells me that Utah's not all that lukewarm about coming to the Big 12. I would much, be much more interested in them with their natural tie-in with BYU. Uh, the Arizona and Arizona State's the world I'm always interested in. Come on down. Uh, Colorado, I don't know. I, I would I would like to see other options personally. Yeah, I, I see why you say that. I do think um, if – the prime thing goes well. Now, I don't think he's there for more than three to five years max, but if it goes well and if it brings money into the program and if they get Big 12 money, I, I know I just said if a lot, 
<laughs> if those things work out for Colorado, this could be a resurgent program in the Big 12. Um, also, I think part of this, Carson, is me just liking the idea of poaching one of the Pac-12's programs. Even if it's not the elite ones, you know, they already lost USC and UCLA. They're much better programs in that conference still than Colorado, probably six or seven uh, that are better than Colorado right now. That being said, wouldn't it feel good to just take a program from the Big 12 after they told everybody that we weren't good enough? Yeah, that'd be great. Especially, gosh, I would would really discipline Colorado on their way back in the door after leaving the Big 12 high and dry. That part of that, I like to keep my thumb on them as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, It seems like you're coming at this logically um, and from a financial perspective and from a a football competitive perspective. And I think my emotions are are, are clouding my judgment a little bit here. And I'm honestly okay with that. I want Colorado back. Well, that's why I'm torn. I'm I'm like you. I would love to just destroy the Pac-12 for their – all of their high and mightiness we have heard for, for years now about, you know, flyover country and no one cares about the big 12 when really they're the, <laughs> they're the conference that's crumbling. But uh, apparently you mentioned prime Dion, another Florida state guy, Florida state's making their way into the show. Uh, apparently this move would not be made without the support of Dion Sanders, but uh, our man, Barry Trammell has a source from the big 12 saying that Colorado is ready to commit to joining the big 12 and soon. So it sounds like things are moving and shaking a little quicker than than maybe we even anticipated. But, but man, Colby, we got UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU joining soon, and potentially some some Pac-12 teams as well. So it's 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 kind of remarkable to think back to some of those shows we did when OU and Texas decided to leave, or the news broke that they were leaving. Uh, you and I were like kind of wondering, would Oklahoma State end up being a non-Power 5 program? Is there even a conference left for them to join? Because we thought the Big 12 would dissipate. And I think that's a a testament to the programs that are still here and a testament to Brett Yormark. Yeah, absolutely, to Brett Yormark. Uh, So doing such a great job of being proactive instead of reactive. And the landscape has shifted dramatically uh, since those dark, dark weeks where we just discussed what the future of Oklahoma State athletics was going to be and, and whether we were going to be in a situation um, where we were going to be watching Oklahoma State play conference games against SMU and Tulane and um, these programs that Oklahoma State is obviously far, far superior to. And things have worked out pretty nicely. So to all the programs in the Big 12 who stuck it out and didn't jump ship immediately after OU and Texas did and to Brett Yormark, a job well done because this could have gone the opposite way. Uh, and, and the Big 12 could be sitting around like a lot of the Pac-12 programs are, I'm sure, right now, wondering if in five years they're still going to have a Power 5 conference home. Yep, I agree. All right, Colby, what do you got for uh, Bullets and BBs this week? Uh, both of mine are non-Oklahoma State related, so I want to lead with that. Uh, my, my BB, I can kind of tie in, but my bullet, Carson, today, the final episode ever of Ted Lasso dropped on Apple TV. I have not watched it yet. My wife and I are going to watch it tonight before tomorrow starts and just insane sports weekend. Um, Ted Lasso has been such a great show. It came along at the exact right time in society. Um, it dropped, you know, first season during COVID and everybody was able to binge and, and it dropped at a time, especially in America where, I mean, just everybody hates each other. We know it. And we pretty much voice it. Like there is just so much hate. You see it on social media constantly. And this is just a show about 
goodness, about kind people, about treating each other right, about community, uh, about all the things that I think that we need more of in society. And it is one of my favorite shows of all time. Is it cheesy at times? Absolutely it is. But I like that it doesn't even necessarily try to balance it out. It leans into the fact that it is the feel-good show. I cannot wait to watch the series finale. Um, Ted Lasso, major kudos to everyone involved. I I have been taken aback by the show over the last few years and just how much I've loved it and just how much of a relief it is for me to sit down and watch those episodes. Yeah, I agree. Like I watch so many shows that are like stressful and anxiety ridden. You know, you watch all these murder shows as well, these murder documentaries and everything's, you know, it's all pretty dark. And uh, I think that's why people have latched on to Ted Lasso so hard. I mean, it's obviously a very well, well done show. Uh, on top of the fact that it's a feel-good show. And for a guy like me who grew up playing soccer and that was like my life, and I've watched it my whole life, it's pretty cool how they've, you know, a lot of the characters are based on real players. Like uh, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is the, what's the new guy's name? That's a show-off that just Zava. left. With, yeah, Zava. It's been, I, I'm I'm letting the episodes accrue, so I'm a little rusty. I've, I've got like three or four to watch before the finale. So I, I hate watching them one week at a time because I forget stuff that happened the week before. I like to binge it, so... But uh, Roy Kent, based on Roy Keane, who played at Manchester United, there's there's so many cool soccer tie-ins. So I agree with you. It's kind of sad it's going away now. It is, but I, I think it's time. Uh, I have not watched the finale, so I'm not giving anyone any spoilers. But I think that Ted's going to go home to be with his son. Uh, so I think it's time. Yeah, I'm, I think they're, they might be setting it up that way. So we'll have to see. Uh, let's see here. My bullet is going to go to none other than Josh Holiday. Uh, Oklahoma State has the fourth longest streak of making it to regionals in, in in NCAA baseball, and again, that's a that's a tremendous streak. I mean, eleven straight years of uh, making it slash hosting speaks to the consistency that Josh has developed at, at Oklahoma State. And it's important also to remember Colby where OSU baseball was when he took over. I mean, their recruiting had really slouched under Frank Anderson. So had the results, they didn't even make it to the Big Twelve tournament one year. It's back when not every team made it. Um, it's just, it's a far cry from, from when he took over. And I think that's a testament to Josh. And again, just OSU's success with former Oklahoma state players is on full display here with Josh holiday. Yeah. Josh is unbelievable. I've expressed, uh, just how much I, I just love the job that he's done and the way that he treats people at Oklahoma state, uh, over his tenure, he's been unbelievable. So, uh, all the kudos to Josh holiday. We we've been very fortunate. We've got a lot of good coaches at Oklahoma state, uh, in a, a, a various number of sports, uh, who do things the right way. So, uh, good stuff there. Carson, my BB it's, it's gotta go to the Boston Celtics and our guy, Mike Marcus smart plays for the Boston Celtics. And Marcus had a few really good games in that series, particularly games four through six, which the Celtics won. But the game seven, just absolute implosion at home after the game six heroics. Uh, Jason Tatum hurts his ankle. You know what? The Heat have dealt with injuries too. Tyler Hero has been out the whole series. Jimmy Butler, his ankle isn't right. Um, Guys are hurt. Caleb Martin stepped up. Jalen Brown couldn't step up. Jalen Brown can't dribble. Eight turnovers in game seven. The guy can't dribble. You force him left, and he's just a walking turnover. And they're the dead turnovers that roll out to the perimeter, and somebody scoops them up and gets a breakaway dunk. The Boston Celtics should be either the best team in the East or second best behind Milwaukee. They, they both got trampled by Miami. Uh, maybe I should just be giving more credit to Miami. But I really thought after game six, that had to have been such a boost for Boston and such – 
a, a just deflating feeling for Miami that there was no way that they were going to lose game seven on their home floor. And not only did they lose, they got absolutely embarrassed. They had pretty much two hours to cope with the fact that their season was over before that game even went final. Uh, so the Boston Celtics get a major, major BB from me. I hope that Marcus ends up staying in Boston because I do think, um, you know, Long term, if they keep that core together, eventually it seems like things are going to click and they're going to they're going to pick one off. But um, yeah, tough, tough, tough showing from Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that is a tough one. Speaking of Marcus, like he is not the perfect player. We all know that his offense could has never been you know elite at the NBA level, but he really he's kind of working his way up the the ladder of of Celtic greats in terms of how well they're thought of. I mean, he's obviously one of the all all defensive guys in the league. Uh, he's been there a long time. Uh, Marcus had a really good run with one franchise, which is really rare these days, especially in the NBA. Um, so I know that was a disappointing finish for him, but as I was watching him, Colby, I just kind of thought, like, like if Marcus plays there another, what, four years, five years, is he going to get his number retired? I mean, I know Boston's got a million jerseys retired, but for this era, I mean, he's one of their longer tenured guys, and he's he's made some all defensive teams, and he's had a really good career. I know that was a disappointing finish for him, but that's something I was thinking about when it comes to Marcus. Um, just say that one more time. Say that one more. I got distracted by a uh, a Savannah banana highlight, and I sincerely apologize. Yeah, I could I could ask a million questions about that Savannah banana stuff. Apparently, it's that's a big deal. I uh, I try not to get lost in it, but this is the first time I pulled my Twitter up in a week and somebody had sent me a Savannah Bananas video, um, and it, it is it, exceptionally distracting. They put on quite the show. Yeah, I mean, apparently they're a big deal. I saw a bunch of people were there to see them in, in Oklahoma City and Tulsa uh, last week. But no, I was just saying, you know, Marcus has been a Celtic for a long time, and that's rare these days in the NBA to be with one franchise, and I know he's not the perfect player, but I mean, Celtic fans just love the guy for his hard-nosed defense, his leadership and the way he, uh, you know, helps them win games. Um, is he my definition of a hall of fame Jersey retirement player? No, but I think Boston fans feel pretty strongly about him and don't want him traded. And if he finishes his career there, I think he's got a chance to, to be honored with a, a Jersey retirement, or at least, you know, he'll be in the conversation for one. Uh, I think a lot of that. Yeah. might come down to whether they do end up, Winning a championship, right? That that elevates everybody whenever you mm -hmm. win a championship. Um, is he a Jersey retirement caliber player? You know, he's heart guy. He's hustle guy. Uh, he's defense guy. And, and those things resonate with fan bases uh, on a different level. Whenever you see a guy out there giving it everything. I think the only knock against Marcus Smart, uh, and there are probably multiple knocks, but the, the main knock, I would say, is just shot selection. I think if he just gets a little smarter with his shot selection, it's not that he can't ever let it fly. It's the NBA. Everybody lets it fly. But if he can just be pick and choose a little bit more whenever he does some of that stuff, then I think he could even take uh, his game to the next level where he becomes a more efficient player. And, yeah, I, I think if they win a championship and he is, you know, in the next three-ish years, uh, whenever he's a serious contributor on that team, I think you could be right. I, I think he could tug at the heartstrings enough of the Boston Fab faithful where they look at him his accomplishments and if they get a ring then i think that that he could be a jersey retirement candidate no ring and the the whole era probably gets looked at as a disappointment and you just don't view things as fondly and it probably doesn't happen so i think that ring is very very important 
Yep, I'd agree. Uh, I don't have a BB. I'll give another bullet to Kenny Gajewski. Uh Kenny G leading the Cowgirls back to the Women's College World Series. Uh, it should be a fun weekend, Colby. We got baseball. We got softball. Spring sports aren't done yet, but uh, I'm, I'm fired up for this weekend. Yeah, me too. I'm going to overdose on sports Thursday through potentially Monday with the regional. We've got softball. We've got baseball. We've got NBA finals. We've got Stanley Cup finals uh, with an eight seed. We got, we got an eight seed, an eight seed from South Florida in the NBA and an eight seed from South Florida in the NHL, both trying to win championships. I am just pretty much in spring sports heaven right now. So uh can't wait. Got the memorial this weekend. Gosh, yeah. I work all weekend too. So I'm going to be watching a ton of golf um, le- leading up to the U.S. Open here in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, maybe Victor Hovland or Ricky Fowler could uh, hoist the trophy this weekend. That would be even more fun. Yeah, it would. You know, Ricky's trying to make the Ryder Cup team. That would go a long ways. But, uh, yeah, a lot, lot going on this weekend. Colby, uh, we'll catch up with you uh, next week. Absolutely. Victor Hovland v. Ricky Fowler in Ryder Cup single mm, in the last. I don't I, know if I want to watch that. That, does, that just sounds like pain, no matter what uh, happens. It does sound like pain. It, it's But you're also guaranteed to be like, oh, good for him. Even if Victor wins, it's like, oh, good for him. Uh, great stuff, Carson. Appreciate everybody listening. Good luck uh, to Victor and Ricky. Good luck to baseball. Good luck to softball. Have a great week. We're back next week to break it all down. Thanks for listening. As always, go Pokes!